Good morning, good morning. My name is Steve. I am the lead pastor here. Thanks for joining us this morning. So good to see you. Why don't you guys go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going over to Psalm 32 this morning. Psalm 32. If you don't have a Bible, grab one off the chairs around you. And in our Bibles, we're going over to page 462. Psalm 32. All right, question for you as we get started. Uh, you ever had food poisoning? No. How many of you? Anybody? Food poisoning. Did you enjoy that? Like, we're a minority. How's that possible? I thought this was, like, really common. Um, yeah, I've had it multiple times. Uh, most memorable happened sometime in middle school. I don't remember exactly how old I was. We were traveling, my mom, my brother, and I down to the Bay Area, and uh, we're staying with my grandparents, and we, uh, we swung by Taco Bell, and uh, I got the, uh, the nachos, uh, lots of creamy cheese and jalapenos and, and just loaded and um, hit me pretty hard that night. Um, and what do you do when you're up all night throwing up? You count the number of times you vomit, right? So it was 93 uh, over the course of about seven hours. It, it hit me pretty hard and, and uh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know what's worse than throwing up? You're like, I don't want to know, Steve. Um, the nausea before, for me, at least. I'm that guy. I hate feeling nauseated. Hate it. Hate it. Like, if I feel nauseated, if I'm sick and I know it's coming, I'll be the guy that's spinning in circles. I'll hang, hang my head upside down. I mean, it feels absolutely horrible when you're, but I would rather just make it happen than sit there in the long-term suffering. You're like, Steve, this is, what are we doing? This is not fun. Um, listen, nausea plays an important role in our survival. I don't know if you know this. Like, you would be dead multiple times over if your body didn't have defense mechanisms that caused you to feel nauseated and to throw up, right? When you get those toxins, when you get that bacteria, when you get those things into your body, it'd be really bad news if your body was like, oh, hey, this is cool, right? You get to hang out down here now, right? Let's see what kind of long-term damage you do. We're cool with that right? We're just friendly around here. Um, as horrible as it is to be sick, it, it would be way worse not to be, honestly, to let the toxins actually work their way through your system, doing all the damage that they could, right? Y'all, that's the way hidden sin works. Hidden sin is the toxin that, that rots your joy, destroys your power, ruins your relationships, undercuts your strength, and will devastate your spiritual life. Hidden sin. Conviction is spiritual nausea. When God comes in and convicts us of our hidden sin, it is a mechanism that God uses that is designed to lead us to actually acknowledge the presence of something that is going to kill us that it might be expelled. The challenge is we hate the expelling part because conviction leads to confession. And confession, man, that's not fun. Confession is the exposure of all the things we want to keep hidden. Confession is, is revealing our faults, our weaknesses. It's, it's opening up and basically saying, here is my shame. I no longer have any protection. I'm vulnerable. And I'm vulnerable in the worst kind of way. I'm vulnerable with a wound that I've inflicted on myself and a wound that I've inflicted on you. 
And I'm dependent on you now to be reclothed. I'm dependent on you for the healing of this wound. That's a scary place to be. And that's a place that honestly, many of us will do almost anything in our power not to go. We will endure the nausea, the spiritual nausea for years. Not to have to go through that single process of being so exposed, so vulnerable. Today, today we're going to be talking about confession. And you're like, sweet, if I had known this, I would not have come today. Um, yeah, this is, uh, I know, this is not the topic that you're like, I sure hope when we go to church today, we're going to be talking about conviction and confession, right? That, that's always fun. Let's talk about exposing our shame. Uh, listen, I want to cast a vision for confession today and, and why you shouldn't hate it. Honestly, why you should come to love it. Because confession is the key that opens up the prison door on our prison of shame. Confession is what opens the door that allows us to move into freedom. So let's take a look at Psalm 32. Psalm 32 is a psalm of confession. Um, it's a masculine of David. And, uh, and so we're going to go ahead and just read it together now. You're going to see that, that word selah in there. I might as well give you a little bit of background on that. Selah is just a, a Hebrew word that means either a musical interlude or a pause. Okay, So I'm not going to read it out loud. Uh, but basically, for a musical, it would, it would be an indication that that would be a bridge or a gap where, where there would be a musical interlude. Possibly poetically, it's an indication to us that that's a place where we should pause in our reading and be reflective actually say, okay, yeah, now I'm going to take a minute and actually think about what was just said. Okay, so that kind of gives you an idea of why they're there. Okay, all right, so Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Um, yeah, let's just start here. All of us sin. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's just kind of create the commonality. We're all sinners. Okay. Uh, which means today's sermon is relevant to everyone in the room. Okay. Uh, we're all sinners, which means we all have a need to confess. This sermon is going to be a little bit more relevant to some than others. Uh, some of you have 
hidden sin. Sin that you have locked away and that you have kept tucked in a private little space. And your hope is that it will simply evaporate and disappear. Uh, that it will move on or you can move on and forget it. Uh, for some of you, it happened recently. For some of you, it's been years in the making, honestly. Um, listen, all of us sin. The psalm is relevant to all of us wherever we're at coming into this morning. All of us feel shame. And all of us want to hide our sin at some point. That's a, a universal human experience. We've all done something we wish we hadn't done. We've all given ourselves over to an impulse that in the moment felt right, that later we looked back on with deep regret and profound shame. We've all done this. We know this. This is a human experience because we're all sinners. Um, as believers, we have a unique experience. Um, we have not only the presence of sin, we have the presence of the one who convicts us of sin. Now, all humans feel conviction of sin, okay? Um, John 16, 8 says that it is the spirit that convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's a universal experience. The Holy Spirit is, um, is at work in everyone created in the image of God, but he's uniquely at work in those who are followers of Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and because you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, he is at work continually to deliver you into the freedom of grace, in, to deliver you into the fullness of the blessing that you have in Christ, to deliver you out of the prison of your shame and, and uh, your fear and into the glorious freedom of being children of God, free in grace, free in integrity, right? He's the one that hits the alarm to let us know that we swallowed toxins, right? He's the one that is like, all right, let's get to work here. And this process is called conviction, okay? David describes it in verses 3 and 4. Take a look at 3 and 4. He says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. <laughs> that sounds horrible, right? I mean, that, that sounds horrible. That is the description of spiritual nausea. The spirit coming in and making you feel like death. But you're not dying. It's coming in and it is, it, is, it is intentionally inflicted discomfort to make you aware of your need to expel what you have now hidden in your heart. It sounds horrible, right? Your bones wasting away. He describes this groaning. This, he's just aching, right? He's, he's like even having a hard time breathing. Having a, his strength dried up is by the heat of summer. Right? There's a lethargy, not just to his spiritual life, but to his emotional life. There's an ache in his heart. There is a yearning. Listen, um, sometimes conviction comes in, and it is a small, quiet tap on our shoulder. I like that. 
right? When the Lord comes up and he's just like, oh, yeah, right? Other times, the Spirit of God shows up and it's like having food poisoning. Like he just goes to work on you. He just makes you miserable. He, he just won't let up. It is like the hand of God coming down and smashing you into your shame. Why does he show up one way in certain circumstances and another in, in others, right? I think it depends on how sensitive we are to the Spirit's leading. Often, if we are in a place of spiritual food poisoning, it's because we've completely ignored the taps on the shoulder. Like, the conviction comes in and gets steadily more progressive. I don't know if you know about this about God, but He's pretty persistent, right? He, he doesn't just be like, oh, all right, I'll go away. You don't want to see me today, right? That's not how God works, right? When God wants your attention, He gets your attention. When He wants your soul, He gets your soul. When He wants you to pay, He, he doesn't let up, right? He doesn't let up. It's a little bit like out-based, uh, outcome-based education, if you remember that way back in the day when I was in school, we used to talk about that. You just keep taking the same test over and over and over again until you pass, right? He's never like, all right, you failed. I'm going to leave you alone. Bye. It's like, no, you don't get to fail this test. You don't get to leave this behind, right? In verse 9, David describes this. He says, don't be like the horse or the mule without understanding which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you, right? Don't be like a stubborn mule that the Spirit has to shove a bit into your mouth and put a bridle, a harness over your head so that He will control you, right? Be sensitive to His leading. Understand that His word is an invitation of life, that His touch is a touch of blessing. Don't fight him, because he's not going away. If you fight him, it only gets harder for you. It only makes you more miserable, right? Don't be stubborn, or it gets worse. I don't know if you know this from personal experience. Have you, have you been there? Man, I have. Um, I have more examples than I could count, um, and I wish that, that I had only had to learn the lesson once. But I find that it's one of those things that I, I have to learn over and over and over again. Um, I do remember a very specific example. Um, I became a believer at 17. Um, Lauren, my wife, knew me as an unbeliever and then knew me as a believer. And the one thing we had in common, man, was our passion. I mean, when I became a believer, I, I didn't just like, it was like the passion of my life. It, was, it just took me over. And she was right there and, and matched passion for passion. Um, she's the only one that would meet me at, at 5.30 in the morning before classes to, to spend an hour in prayer. She's the one that like, and, and as a result, our relationship uh, developed in a, in a very beautiful way. And, and, uh, but I had a lot of brokenness in my life. I had a lot of sin patterns. I had a lot of, of strongholds that I hadn't dealt with. And, and many of them took years to come to the surface, things that I had just never dealt with. And um, I remember the, the first time that, that uh, in our married life where I looked at something inappropriate. I think I was on a, a trip, and, and back in the day, you know, you didn't have the internet, um, but you did have hotel rooms with cable. And, um, 
uh, I remember, you know, uh, choosing to sin. And, uh, and, and then the overwhelming sense of guilt and shame. Like, like, I liked being the hero. I don't like being the villain. I like to be the guy that people look up to, not, not the one that has to come groveling and exposing. And so it's like, okay, yeah, I'll just never do it again, right? I'm done. That's it. It was a bad choice. Over. Done. Right? If I don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. If I don't think about it, it didn't happen. And I remember very specifically, I don't remember the time spans because I'm talking, this was a long time ago, but um, driving to work one day, and I, was, and I remember exactly where I was in South County. I remember the exact bulletin board I was looking at. It was that vivid. But I'm driving to work, and the Spirit of God said, about as clearly as you could say without an audible voice, you need to tell her. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I'm not feeling it. Like, I don't, that's a door I don't want to walk through. I don't know what's on the other side. I've never done this. I've never had to confess. I've never, like, I'm terrified. Like, literally terrified. And, and, and I remember, like, I had this argument with God, like, on the way to work. I'm like, yeah, I don't, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just not going to happen, Right? Fast forward a period of time, I don't know, a week, two weeks, I don't even remember, I get violently ill, like feverish, like I'm, I'm running a 103, 104 temperature, I'm, I'm hallucinating, um, I am like horribly sick, <clears throat> and in the middle of it, like literally in the middle of my sickness, there it is again, you got to tell her. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is this you? Like, seriously? And so in the midst, I'm like dying. I'm like, Lauren! So I call her in, and I'm like, I got something to tell you. And she's like, she's been caring for me, right? I'm like deathly ill. I'm like, I got to tell you this thing. And so I told her, right? She was gracious. And um, the, the, the door wasn't anywhere near as terrifying to walk through as I thought it would be. And... Uh, I immediately, so I, you know, I'm going to say immediately felt better. I immediately felt better. It wasn't that the fever immediately passed, but I immediately, like it was like this weight. It was like this. The Spirit will bring conviction because He is intent on getting us free. Listen, conviction. Conviction is a specific discomfort that the Spirit brings in about a specific pain. And you need to understand that. It's a specific discomfort that He brings in about a specific sin. That's conviction. It is very specific. And, and when the Spirit is bringing it on you, you will know what it's about. You'll know it was about that thing I said, that thing I did, that thing I, you know, like, like it's, you know, like the Spirit brings it in and it's very, very specific. And we need to be careful about this because as much as God hates hidden sin in our lives, the enemy loves it. As much as God wants to free us from hidden sin in our lives, the enemy wants to keep us trapped in it. Nothing weakens us like hidden sin. It undermines all the critical relationships in our lives. Hidden sin undermines our relationship with God. Because if you have hidden sin, 
you know God knows, right? You know you can't hide anything from God, so what do you do? You just stopped hanging out with God. You get reluctant to show up in prayer to God because you know the moment you show up in prayer to God, the first thing between you and God is this thing that you're just not going to confess, this thing you're not going to reveal. And so what ends up happening is, is your sin keeps you from God instead of God keeping you from sin. It's going to distance you from the Word. It's going to distance you from prayer. It's going to distance you from God's people. Why? Because, because your relationship with God is disrupted by this, this hidden sin. And as a result, you don't experience the joy of the Lord. And if you don't experience the joy of the Lord, you grow weak because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And you grow in your weakness, right? It also undermines our relationships with others. One of the great deceptions we tell ourselves is that if we keep our, our sin hidden, it doesn't affect the people we sin against. We can just keep it hidden, and then they don't have to feel any pain, and I don't have to feel any pain, and they're not going to suffer, and I don't have to suffer. Y'all, it bleeds out. I can't tell you the number of times I have spoken to women whose husbands had affairs, and they wouldn't confess. And years later it came out and they would come to, me, come to me and they would say, I thought I was crazy, but I knew, I knew something was different. See, he thought he had done a great job covering it up, even if it was just a one-time, one-night stand sort of thing and he didn't, it wasn't an ongoing, and, but, but it leaks. You may deceive yourself into thinking that you're perfectly normal and nothing has changed, but when you have a violation of trust in the center of your relationship, it absolutely changes the dynamics of that relationship. You continue to hurt the person that you have the hidden sin. And in fact, it, it hurts all of your relationships. Anybody, anybody who's in, a, in an intimate relationship with you, why? Because you now have a deception between you and them. You now have this, this lack of integrity, and that lack of integrity is going to keep you from being genuinely vulnerable and honest and present. And as a result, you're always going to be pretending and performing in your relationship with them. And so it undermines your relationship with others. It destroys the honesty and the vulnerability necessary for a genuine relationship to thrive. And ultimately, it undermines your relationship with yourself. You have to keep deceiving yourself and telling stories to yourself, and, and, and it's going to undercut your ability to have any sense of genuine internal integrity. You're going to grow weak. You're, you're going to grow despondent in your relationship with God. You're going to pursue more and more external distractions or pleasures to try to self-medicate yourself from the internal dynamic of, of shame and guilt and lack of integrity. That's where the enemy wants you, y'all. That's exactly where the enemy wants you. And what's going to happen in, in, when you're in that space is that the enemy is going to send waves of pride and shame. First, he's going to puff you up in pride, and then he's going to destroy you in shame. So the first thing he does is come in and, and, and help you minimize. Oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. Blame shift. Um, you know, it really was kind of their fault. If they had done this, I wouldn't have done that. If, 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 if they were, if, if he was, if, or, or, or um, uh, everybody's doing it, right? I'm just, a, I'm just a normal person. Everybody's doing it. So minimizing, blame shifting. Um, in the end, you can even make yourself a victim by the time you're done with this whole self-deception thing. Honestly, they should be confessing to me. 
right? They're the real problem, not me, right? Puffs you up in pride. The problem is, and this isn't just the problem, this is the flip side, every time he puffs you up in pride, he's going to destroy you with shame. Because the next thing that comes in is there's going to be waves. At the one point, you're like, I'm so good, they should be lucky to love me. On the flip side, you're going to be like, I'm so horrible, I'm not even worthy of love. Because what he puffs up, he destroys. And those waves of shame are going to come in, and you're going to have this internal wave, this pounding of condemnation. Condemnation is a blanket of rejection. Not only did I do something wrong, I am wrong. Not only did I do a sin, I am utterly sinful. Not only um, did I do something that hurt somebody, I am worthless and unworthy of love. The enemy comes in with condemnation. The spirit comes in with conviction. Specific discomfort about a specific sin that he wants you to confess. The enemy comes in with condemnation, a blanket of rejection, shame, um, that, that ultimately seeks to destroy you and rob you of any ability to move toward grace. The enemy wants you destroyed. The Spirit wants you freed. So the Spirit sends conviction. The enemy sends condemnation. The spirit is very specific. The enemy puts a blanket of rejection, fear, and shame on your life. The spirit wants you to meet him in honesty. The enemy wants to trap you in a prison of lies. Conviction. So conviction is that nausea, that spiritual nausea is a gift from God. It is an expression of grace and of love. It is an invitation to deliverance, and to freedom. And conviction has one goal, y'all. It's confession. The Spirit brings conviction to help motivate you to confession. Confession is the solution to conviction, right? Uh, if, if, convict, if, if conviction is the nausea, confession is the vomit, okay? It, it is what ultimately, it is the expelling of the impurity. It is the exposing of the, and y'all are like, Steve, I seriously can't do this metaphor. You need to stop this. All right, I'm, I, I apologize if you're one of those people that absolutely hate discussions. I just, metaphor worked in my head. Um, all right, take a look at verse five. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. I acknowledged my sin to you. This is the goal of conviction. Complete honesty. And I want you to catch that. When he says, I acknowledged my sin to you, he's not simply saying, I acknowledge that I have a sinfulness problem. <laughs> he's not simply saying, uh, yeah, I admit that sometimes I do something wrong. It is very specific. I honestly expose not just what I did, but why I did it. And not partially all of it. Complete, total honesty. A partial confession is a manipulative act of self-deception. When we confess 90% of the sin, but keep 10% back, we're trying to kill the nausea without the vomit. We're trying to, to destroy the discomfort 
without expelling the sin that the Spirit is bringing the discomfort about. We're trying to, to cut out some of the tumor, but protect some of it, because we think somehow that's in our self-interest. The enemy loves partial confessions, <laughs> loves them. Like you're like, no, 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 any confession he hates, nope. He hates full, honest, complete confessions. He loves partial confessions. You know why? Because it doesn't matter how much hidden sin you have. It only matters whether you have hidden sin. Yeah, you give up 90% of it, but you keep 10%. That 10% is now more toxic than the other 100% combined. Because you have now gone through the process of healing, but kept it from the healing presence of God's grace. Partial confessions, man. The enemy loves them. Because at the end of the day, nothing changes, which means he has you exactly where he had you before, but you're in worse state than you were. Because now you've actually gone through the process, and now he can add the shame of a partial confession on top of the original sin. Now he can add the additional guilt of, of not only did you do the thing, but you didn't really reveal the full thing, and now I can even use that and compound that to increase that sense of your helplessness in the prison of your shame, right? He says, I acknowledged my sin to you. I opened it up, man. I was totally vulnerable. 100%. All of it. I did not cover my iniquity. Listen, y'all, that, that's what we're constantly trying to do, is cover our own iniquity, cover our own transgressions, cover our own sin, right? We have a lot of tools that we use to cover our own sins. Excuses, denial, blame shifting, minimizing, right? Our first parents put on fig leaves in the garden. The moment they realized they had shame and something to hide, they put on fig leaves. And then immediately when God came and talked to them, the first thing they did was blame shift, minimize, and, and, and try to deceive, right? Like, like, not only am I going to try to reduce my culpability, I'm going to make yours work look, look worse because if you're a bigger sinner than me, that means I'm a less sinner than you. All of these tools are ways that we, we employ these tools to try to cover our own sin, to cover our own shame. Listen, the goal of conviction is confession, and true confession requires us to be completely honest. It requires us to take off our fig leaves and be completely, vulnerably, spiritually naked before God and before others. It's a terrifying place to be. It's a terrifying place to be. The reason we try to cover ourselves is because we are, we are desperately afraid of rejection, desperately afraid that, that, that the condemnation is going to be true and real, that we're not worthy of love, that we're not going to be reclothed, that we're not going to be seen as valuable, that if I actually let you see who I actually am and what I've actually done, if I actually reveal this, the lies that I've heard might actually be true. It takes tremendous faith to show up and be completely honest. It takes tremendous courage, but it's a courage rooted in faith. It's not simply a, a courage that, that comes from um, self-talk. It comes from, from faith that, that there is, in fact, a good end 
to this process. I want to talk about one thing in connection with this. Um, the psalm is focused almost exclusively on confessing to God. But I, I think we need to acknowledge that confessing to God and confessing to others are intimately intertwined. Some people will get hyper-spiritual and be like, well, I confessed it to God and I'll have to confess it to others. That is one more manipulative way of trying to hide our sin. That's simply using the grace of God, not embracing the grace of God, in order to undercut genuine integrity in human relationships. I've confessed it to God, I don't have to confess it to you. It's all good, right? I'm right with God, which means you don't need to know about it. But here's the challenge. If I have sinned against you, I now have a violation of trust with you. In order for me to be genuinely reconciled to you, in order for me to genuinely grow in a loving relationship with you, in order for me to obey the great command, love your neighbor as you love yourself, I'm obligated to be honest with you. And if you're honest, the Spirit's telling you to do it anyway. The Spirit never tells you to simply confess your sin to Him. He will always lead you to reconciliation with the one that you've sinned against. Now this gets, I'm not... I'm not saying you have to confess every thought to every person, right? Not going there. I'm not saying that, that every, like some things can be dealt with between you and God, but the Spirit of God will let you know when they can't. When there has been a, a significant violation of trust that requires a genuine exposure, the Spirit of God will lead you there. And so confession isn't simply revealing ourselves to God, it is in having revealed ourselves to God, revealing ourselves to those that we have sinned against. God doesn't want you to simply confess to Him and then go hide in your relationship with others. That's not going to help you grow in grace. The point of confession is the restoration of integrity and honesty. To, to expose this toxin of shame to the genuine light uh, of grace and truth so that it will die. Now, here's the challenge is, is sometimes in order to expose yourself like that to somebody feels like you actually are going to die. <laughs> I'm telling you, I know that feeling. Like the terror, the absolute terror of having to come and say, this is who I am. This is what I did. I need grace from you. I need to confess to you and I need grace from you, is a terrifying, vulnerable experience. You're like, Steve, you're really selling this well, man. Um, but listen, conviction leads to confession. Confession leads to life. There is no other way to get there. Do you want to be genuinely free, personally? Do you want to have the genuine joy of the Lord in your relationship with God? Do you want to have an integrity of spirit that allows you to be bold, following God, pursuing life? Do you, do you want freedom and joy and strength? <laughs> this is how you get there. This is the path. When, when we expose ourselves in this way when we recognize I don't have to cover my own sin. I can actually 
expose it. The enemy no longer has a stronghold in our hearts. Because what ends up happening is when we stop covering ourselves with our pride, God starts covering us in his grace. Take a look at verses uh, 1 and 2. Take a look at verse 1 first. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. All right, so even though this is the opening verse of the psalm, this is the end of the process. The psalms will often do this. They, they begin with a declaration of, of blessing, and then they explain how you get there. Okay, so this, even though it's the opening verse of the psalm, this is actually the end of the process. This is David saying, this is the process I went through, and this is what I've experienced. This is the truth, right? Um, this is the end result of confession. When you take this step of faith, this is the result of grace. You are blessed. Blessed is one of those churchy words that, that you know, I mean, you see it a little bit on, on social media, hashtag blessed, right? And what we usually mean by that is I've got a really good meal in front of me, or I got a really nice sunset to look at, and aren't you a little jealous of me, right? That's kind of what we mean by it. Uh, biblically, it means way more than that. Um, the word blessed is a loaded, loaded word. Um, Eugene Peterson in his uh, Bible version, The Message, tried to get a modern colloquial way of expressing it. He says, lucky is the man. Um, I don't know if that fully captures it, but I like it. Um, it, it, it. The idea is that this person stands in a place of good fortune. This person stands in joy. Blessed is the man, fortunate is the man, joyful is the man, energized, fully alive. Do you want to experience life in all of its fullness? You're not going to get there by hiding your sin. Right? That's the deceptive promise is that you can somehow get there if you cover your own sin with, with, the, with, with manipulation and lies, deception, and, and, and blame shifting. No, it, blessed is the one who does what? Whose transgression is forgiven. That's crazy. It doesn't say blessed is the one who doesn't have transgression. Because there's none of those except Jesus. It doesn't say blessed is the one who successfully covers and forgets their own transgression. He said blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. The one who stands in this place of good fortune, of joy, of energy, and the fullness of life is one who has experienced grace in the face of their failure, right? The second part, whose sin is covered. We spend so much time trying to cover our own sin through manipulation, deception, but God's grace covers it in a way we can never cover it ourselves, right? When we try to cover our own sin, we're trying to hide it. When God covers our sin, he removes it. It's no longer our own, right? 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. 
He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us, right? He became our substitute. He took our place on the cross, dying under the weight of our cosmic treason. He was our hero. The sinless one became the embodiment of our sin that he might take the penalty of that sin. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When God covers our sin, he removes our sin and covers it with the very righteousness of Christ. That's freedom. That's joy. That is transformative love. And it is a beautiful invitation. If you want to be genuinely free, from the toxic effects of your hidden sin. You need to respond to the Spirit's prompting of conviction to confess, to actually move into an honest, vulnerable place of revealing what you're trying to hide because in so doing, what you're doing is you're saying to God, I'm here and I'm honest. I'm showing up and all I have to offer you is my need, but I'm doing it in trust because I believe you love me in spite of my sin. And I believe you will cover me with your righteousness even though all I'm doing is showing up with my shame. Instead of covering ourselves with our pride, when we show up like that, he covers us with his grace. Take a look at verse 7. I love this. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. When we come with that kind of honest vulnerability to God, we're met with nothing but love. We are met with, with an embrace of grace. He removes the shame and he surrounds me with shouts of deliverance. Do you want the courage to live a life of genuine integrity? To be single-minded in your heart and in your mind to not be undercut by the shame of all the things we have hidden, all the things we're trying to pretend don't exist, if it, all the things. All, do you want to have that kind of boldness and joy and purpose? You don't get there by building yourself up to it. You get there by being humble enough to come for the grace you need to be cleansed, forgiven, and set free, to be vulnerable enough to say, I know you love me, so I'm showing up to be loved. God's grace is your hiding place, not your pride. God's grace is the only place that it's safe to go when you are in shame and you are broken, when you have made the wrong choice and done the shameful thing. God's grace is the only place you can go that will be a genuine hiding place that will set you free instead of imprison you in shame. The enemy whispers, if you confess, you'll be rejected. And the Spirit whispers, if you confess, you'll be forgiven. Come and receive the outpouring of grace. Final thought in verse 2. Blessed is the man. I love that he does it twice. Blessed, right? Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Not again, one who has no iniquity. But God doesn't count it against you. Why? Because he already counted it against Christ on your behalf, right? Blessed is the man against whom the Lord doesn't count iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. 
Confession is the pathway to integrity. And integrity is the foundation of strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength, and I can only experience the joy of the Lord when I have a relationship of integrity with the Lord. Confession is the key that opens the door on my self-imposed prison of shame and sets me free. So my invitation to you this morning, stop fearing the very thing that will set you free. Stop running from the one who wants to cover you in his grace and hold you as you grow in the integrity of your faith. Don't be afraid of the vulnerable honesty that is necessary to be known by those who walk with you and love you. Grow first in your experience. That's a, I think there is an important process here. We confess first to God and then to others. We experience the grace of God first in our relationship with Him, and that gives us the power to then reveal ourselves and be vulnerable with others, seeking integrity in relationship with them as well. All right, I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. I'm going to just put some uh, statements up on the, I'm going to, you know, if the Lord's convicting you of something, I want to help you process it, right? Um, and if you want to pray or talk, uh, come to me, come to Connection Point, let us know. We would ha be happy to process that with you. Um, but uh, let's create some space for the Spirit, and honestly, let's stop being afraid of the blessing of God, right? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that uh, you love us enough to work with us through this messy, messy process that, that man, we run from you and um, we're afraid of giving up the very things that enslave us. The enemy is constantly at work, puffing us up in pride and smashing us down in condemnation, deceiving us into thinking that the path to life goes anywhere but to grace. Spirit, will you awaken our hearts to your love this morning? Will you make us aware of this incredible invitation? And Lord, I pray specifically for my friends this morning who have been beat up by the enemy, who have been abused by his malevolence, his manipulation, And I know for some of my friends, there's a genuine spiritual battle taking place. Because the enemy doesn't want them set free. Their own flesh is rising up against grace, against humble dependence, against the boldness of simply showing up with their need. Spirit, will you empower them? Will you meet them on that battlefield and give them the strength to stop fighting? and start yielding, to stop striving and start receiving your love and your grace. Lord, you know where each one of us are this morning. Meet us where we are and take us to where you would have us be.